Welcome to Curated by Culture. I'm your curator, Cassandra. Um, thank you as always for joining me. I I appreciate it. I can't express that enough. Um, first things first, how's your head? How's your heart? The world is heavy, especially around the holidays. I know I keep saying this and I know I said I wasn't going to say it anymore, but seasonal depression is very, very, very real. And I want to check in with people and I want to make sure we're checking in with ourselves. Um, I don't know if I've said this before, but if you listen and you follow, and even if we're not real friends in real life, know that I love you, but also know that you can reach out to me anonymously if you feel like it. I'm always happy to listen to people, talk to people, just be somebody to listen and not so much speak. But sometimes people need somebody to talk to or speak to who will be unbiased, be without judgment. I'm your girl. If that's what you need, please call me. But um, please check in with yourself. It is very important around the holidays, especially um, especially when it gets cold. I mean, all the time it's important, but there's something about the holidays that for people who've lost somebody that they love or they care about, it, it's hard. It's hard to cope. Like I lost my dad. So, you know, and he actually fell into a coma Christmas Eve. So, you know, for some people it's really hard. So it's important that we check in on each other and know that you are loved and you are valued and you are important. Um, I'm continuing my love. I'm starting a revolution. I think like next next week or something like that. I'm going to go live one day. I'm going to start a revolution. I want I just want to talk to people about love. I think it's so important. It seems like common sense and people keep saying, "Well, that's obvious." You know, of course we're supposed to love each other. If it's so common and it's common sense, why do we not do it, right? When I say common sense isn't so common, it's not that we don't know that we're supposed to do it. It's that we don't do it, right? We know that we're supposed to love one another. That seems so obvious. But do we choose to love one another? Not really. You know, we're so caught up on showing that we love people or showing and we're not actually being. So it's like random acts of kindness, right? When people are like, oh, buy a drink for the person behind you or do this. Okay, that's nice. But then after you buy a drink for the person behind you, if you go into your office and you hate on everybody in your office, you one the good D kind of got wiped out by your behavior. Instead of us choosing to spend money, which I hate when people buy me stuff. Oh my God. I know it's weird. I'm talking like the random acts of kindness. Like if I'm in line and somebody pays for my food, like a Starbucks, especially, I always almost feel obligated to do it for the person behind me. And one time somebody did that and all I got was like a, a latte or something. And then the person behind me got like a whole office order. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not paying for that. Like, So, I mean, side story, but instead of doing random acts of kindness. Let's choose to be kind. That's my whole point behind this. Anyway, moving on. Um, In talking about love, I was having a conversation with my sister, actually. And I was, you know, we're talking about love. And, you know, I was talking about the episode that I had recorded with her. And she was like, so how do you love the unlovable? And I was like, well, everyone's deserving of love. So there's no such thing as somebody being unlovable. And she was like, no, what I mean is like, you know, the people who make it so hard for you to love them, you can continue to love them. You can love them from a distance because you're telling me they're unlikable. They're not unlovable. Everyone is deserving of love. They're just unlikable to you. You no longer like them and you're equating. Again, you're mixing the two. You're mixing love with like. And so she was like, oh, that's true, I guess. you know. And it's not to say she didn't understand it, but she was she's dealing with somebody that she deems is unlovable. And I'm like, everyone deserves love. So to say somebody's unlovable is unfair, right? Um. 
So I wanted to start with that, but I want to talk about childhood love because I think that's where we start, right? We've talked about love extensively. I've talked about love. We, who's, who's here with me? Um, I've talked about love extensively, but, um, you know, I want to get back into some of the fundamentals, some of the things that I think is missing, some of the ways that we can approach things differently, because if we're going to really understand and adopt a worldly love ethic, we need to understand some of the places that people have already failed us. Right. And that's really what a lot of this is about. So when you think about like childhood love, when you know, love is children, I've talked about this before, how, you know, between birth to the age of eight are the formative years of a child's life. Those are the years that they, that teaches them love. There was a, um, I think I read this while I was looking, but this was like a while ago. Um, I was looking up like something on serial killers. Don't ask me why I'm looking up stuff on serial killers. It's just something that I do. Like I love to research. So I was looking up something on serial killers and I had read that almost 98% of serial killers have experienced some sort of childhood drama or experienced um, their mothers leaving them or being absent in their lives at a very, very young age. And it's like, oh, well, that makes sense, right? Like we understand what, what people were created for. We understand why God created man. We also understand why God created woman. Woman is, she's to be loving. She's to be nurturing. And so when we drill into that and we kind of think about that, we have to think about how kids um, react to or deal with certain things. And so when we talk about, when I talk about love in the childhood format, this is for people who have small kids or also for people who are, who don't realize that some of their traumas come from childhood. And so, you know, one thing that I know for sure, and you know, this is just obvious, but again, common sense being not so common is children really need to come from loving family environments in order to be whole functioning adults. It's just a fact. There's not, it's not, it's not, it's not debatable. It's not up for debate. Most people, a lot of us, especially in our community, black, you know, black and brown community, not all of us, but a lot of us, like I came from a two fam- two parent household, but that doesn't necessarily mean that both my parents were fully capable of giving me the love that I needed. And I'm not saying that I didn't like my parents were loving, but my mom had my sister at 22. Okay. So when I look at my 22 year old daughter and I think about her raising a child, I'm like, it's impossible. She doesn't even know who she is. You know, she's just stepping into her own self. She just graduated college. She's, you know, gaining her independence slowly. If she had a child on her hip, how much harder life would be, right? So when I keep saying it, you have to offer them grace. We were children raising children and that's a a hard fact, but more so being most of us at that age didn't even fully understand what really loving ourselves were was. And then we were having children. So my mom had, you know, my sister, and then she had my other sister two years later, then me three years later. And she still was in her twenties, like having all of us, she was still in her twenties and did the best that she could. And, you know, we, we come from a loving mom and dad. Um, it's funny because some people know how I talk about my dad. Like he's a great father. He was not a great husband. Sorry, Ma, I don't mean to tell your business, but um, but part of that also for kids is seeing two loving parents or seeing a loving household. That's really what's important. Understanding how kids learn what love is at that age, right? So when I hear people who say things like, 
oh, well, you know, I didn't, we didn't get divorced because we wanted, you know, we didn't want to separate. I wanted my kids to have a family. I wanted my kids. You're doing your kids a disservice if you and your husband or you and your wife or you and whomever don't love each other. Kids will gain so much more and understand love so much more to see you, mom, loving yourself, you, dad, loving yourself. Kids need that. Believe it or not, they need that. And it's understandable if we have kids at a young age. Some people, I know people who have kids who had kids at 16. I couldn't even imagine my 16-year-old daughter having a kid and being able to raise them fully the right way. So I think it's important even at this age, even if you have, even if you're my age or younger, or you have kids who are still small, reevaluate what you're showing them or reevaluate what you're a lot, what you're framing as, as love, because what we think is love is really not love. Like just because you stayed or you toughed it out and you did this and that's not love. That's not love. That's like, you're, you're pretty much settling or sacrificing for some reason or another. You can still love the person. Understand that. Like you need to teach, teach our kids what love is. We need to love each other fully, but love is care, it's commitment, it's honesty, it's communication, it's affection, it's all those things. And if you don't have those things within your marriage or within your relationship with the person you decided to have children with, you are doing your kids a huge disservice because ultimately what will happen is what happened to so many of us, right? So our parents became frustrated, things happened, they were upset about this, in our family, my mom was not the one who beat us. My dad, though. My dad. Anytime we became frustrated, we got beaten. Like It could be something as simple as we were making too much noise at nine o'clock. He came in there with a belt and beat us. My mom, not so much. My mom was not a beater. She was, you know. But then we take that part. So I've talked about the beatings before, and I've talked about what that stems from. And a lot of times, parents used to try to reframe that as, I did this because I love you. What you're teaching your impressionable kids is that abuse and love go hand in hand. And that was like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's not a good lesson. Like, you know, I never really beat my child. I never beat my daughter. Everybody knows that. I never put, I ne- really, I never did. But I always disciplined her, you know, and loving parents really do hard work in not punishing their kids, but disciplining them in ways where they use your words and you say, well, these are the consequences of your actions. And so I did that a lot with my daughter to the point that she was always so fearful, not fearful that I would beat her, but I would be upset. And she never wanted to disappoint me. And I think I did such a great job on that. I'm patting myself on the back because, you know, I came from a, a, a household of getting beaten and, and stuff like that. And I, I realized it didn't do anything for me. Not to say I equated love with abuse because my mother was, my mother is so loving. And sidebar, if you know my mom, if you've gotten a chance to meet my mom, and I probably said this before, people like she's the most loving person. I think I literally hit the lottery. Like me and my sisters hit the lottery with our mother because I've never met anybody more loving in my life than my mother. Like she loves so hard and everybody that meets her love. So we gained so much from just that one person and how much she loved us and poured into us and prayed for us that we, you know, in turn turned out pretty okay. (laughs) I'm not going to say we were great. Me and my two oldest sisters, we were a work in progress. Whereas we were able to take all the things that we learned and loved and kind of poured it into our baby sister. And she's whole, you know, and now she and her husband are raising fully love. Like they're, they're loving parents. They discipline their kids in the best way. And I think that's the things that we need to understand when it comes to love. Like what 
love has always looked like to us is not what love has been. You know, it's reframing. I remember growing up, side, again, sidebar, I hope I remember what I'm saying. Let me see. Let me write it down. Um, I remember growing up and watching like the Cosby show and things like that and thinking, wow, you know, I want to be like the Cosby shows. I want, you know, cause that was the only image we had of stable families. If you stop and think about some of the other things that were on TV, there, there weren't a lot that looked like us, but the Cosby kids came from two loving parents and they were also very much loved it. Yes. Okay. Wealth played a, a factor in that whole show, which was cool, but Aside from the money, because money doesn't really make everything go round, was love. Love is, is the most valuable thing. And you saw that in these kids. You saw that in the discipline. You saw that in the way they disciplined them. They never really, I don't know if they did. I don't remember if they ever got beaten. But the kids were like so respectful and so disciplined because of the love that they received from their parents. And it was so sad that you didn't see a lot of that on TV. Everything for, especially for black people was always more violence related. And that's what sells. So I get it, but this is where kids learned. This is where us as kids learn things. And then in turn kind of like lived our lives. Right. So I thought about the Cosby show as I was writing all these things down, because that was a perfect lesson in what loving parents are. Loving parents work extremely hard to discipline their kids without punishment doesn't always mean there's no punishment. And I think I've read that before in, in that Bell Hooks, Bell Hooks book. It doesn't mean there's no punishment. It just means that you teach them how to how love feels and what love looks like through your actions. And this was something that was totally missed on us growing up, which is why we have so many so much work to do on ourselves. Like some of these are our childhood traumas. A lot of people I know got beaten all the time and that's how they are now. And they're hard, especially little boys, little boys were always beaten so hard to the fact that now it's like, uh, you know, and you got, they, they would get beaten and then told not to cry. Right. So you had so many things like on top of being told, I love you, I'm abusing you. Love and abuse don't typically go together. And then on top of being beaten, you're being told don't cry either. So now young men are not able to express their emotions, especially young men are not able to express their emotions. And so in thinking about how do we reshape this, how do, we need to understand these things. We need to understand what loving parents look like. So if you have young kids, it's never too late to, to, to reframe what love looks like. It's never too late. And I'd rather us do it now if our kids are babies or teenagers versus waiting till we're in our fifties and our sixties. And then our kids have, you know, in their thirties or something like that. And now they've already finished off. They they've, there's just regenerate that cycle. I don't know why I can't use my words right now. (laughs) That cycle is just spinning and spinning. And it's the same thing over and over again. I think when we talk about love and reframing love and, and really changing it from a noun to a verb, we need to include the actions what loving parents, this is where it starts. It starts in childhood, loving parents, teaching discipline, teaching, you know, like, and here's another thing that I've noticed, even with, as we've gotten older, a lot of us didn't have a lot growing up. And in turn, we want to give our children everything. Buying your kids everything and giving them everything does not really teach them discipline. 
Make them still work for things. Make them clean. Even if you can afford it. I mean, listen, I can afford a housekeeper, but if my daughter was still living with me, I'd be like, hey, clean up after yourself. That's discipline. That's teaching discipline. That's teaching kids how to value things. It's the same with like having nice things. Like a lot of people say, well, I can't have nice things. I have kids. That's not true. You can teach people how to live with your nice things. A lot of these things is just reframing what we've always known and turning it into actions with love. This is why love will be my legacy because I want everything we do, every action in the ways we move, it has to be filled with love for it to be received in love in order for us to really love each other the way God intended for us to love each other. Fill these, fill your actions with love. So as we are working on understanding what loving parents looks like or what happened to us, we have to also offer that grace. Like I've said, like, Think about how old your parents were. If you have young parents, like some of, a lot of us do have, have young parents. And when I say young, it's not so much young in age, but young in knowledge and young in experience, right? And young in love. You know, a lot of us did not grow up with loving parents in turn, did not know how to give and or receive love. And that means a lot of times we don't know how to love ourselves properly, which is sad, but it's a, it's a sad truth. Um, and then from that comes a multitude of things like you have, you know, where <laughs> parent where there's like, you know, cheating spouses or anything. And you have a mom who continues to receive the abuse from a, from her husband or vice versa. I don't want to discriminate. I'm sure there are men who get abused in some shape, way or form. But, you know, if you continue to allow your children to see that, they will think that's OK. And especially with daughters, moms. Loving, caring, and nurturing is one thing, but self-respect and self-love is key in what we teach our, our daughters. My daughter will never say that I stayed in a relationship past its expiration date. She knows that about me, especially even as I've gotten older. But you know, I didn't marry her dad, her biological dad. I did marry somebody else who loved her and who loves her still to this day. But out of all my sisters, I'm the one that will not, I'm like, I'm not a settler. Like I know when something is expired. We have to understand when something is expired, we do have to move on for everybody's benefit. Ourselves first. It's the gas mask, oxygen, plane scenario all over again. Save yourself first so that you can save everybody else. Otherwise, you're no good to anybody. If we're just sitting there being bitter, because again, a lot of us came from single parent households, but if we're just sitting there being bitter, this is what our children see. My, my mother was always like this. And then for some of us, our daughters turn into us. And we hate to see it. I hate that for them. I hate that for the next generation who are either settling or dealing with or putting up with or having to. I always say, I I want them to get to know themselves first. So if we come out and we're being whole and we're taking the time, even if the time looks like two, three years, four years of being alone, I think it's important. Get to know yourself so when you do find the right person, you know how to fully love them. You know how you want to be loved and you know how you know what love looks like and you can show the next generation of people what love looks like. Like love, it's, it's, it's the simplest thing. It's an easy thing. And anytime I talk about it, people are like, well, that's obvious, but I'm like, is it? Cause we're not doing it. I see nothing but hatred and just, it's just terrible out there. And I hate that. I really hate that for everybody. And I don't hate too many things, but I hate that. So I think this is part something of childhood love, but for people with young kids, and when I say young, I mean, you know, t- 
early teens, even teenagers or younger, reframe parenting. You can break generational curses, generational curses of trauma, of years and years of mental, emotional, and physical abuse if you reframe what love looks like, care, commitment, respect, affection, trust, honesty, communication. Communication is another big thing with children. I think we think we need to talk to kids like they're little babies and they don't understand. You can fully communicate with children for them to understand and understanding consequences and understanding discipline and understanding love. You know, when you equate love with abuse, that does a lot to a child. Like it really does a lot to a child. I know children who were abused and, you know, parents would say, well, I did this because I love you. I mean, did you though? (laughs) Is hitting me loving? I don't know. You know, hitting no, that's a topic for another day though. I don't want to get too far into that. Um, but I think it's important that we, you know, we, we reframe what love looks like, but in teaching children discipline, we need to offer up apologies when we're wrong. I was on, on Instagram and I saw something, I think it's comedian Lil Rel, his wife. I don't, I don't know her name. It escapes me, but she was talking about how she had apologized to her daughter for something that she said. she I think she went to punish her or something like that. She was wrong about something. And the daughter told her and she corrected her and she apologized. And, you know, everybody was in comments like, oh, you know, my mother. And I was like, wow. I mean, I, I think you we do realize that parents rarely ever apologize. I think especially in the black community, it's always parents will go, you want to go out to the mall with me or something? That's their form of apology. But this was after you beat them or after you did X, Y, and Z to them. And it's like, The first step to that needs to be an apology. This is how we learn boundaries. This is how we teach children boundaries. And this is how we kind of create whole functioning adults who know boundaries, who know self-respect, who know self-love. Like these things are so important and they're so missed on our culture, unfortunately. And I mean, we need to get back there. We need to know what love looks like, regardless of what the situation is. It's not always a mom and a dad household. It's not always two parents households, but love is community. Love comes from community. Most people, um, and myself included, like we learned what love was from a group of people, not just our mom and our dad. You know, my nieces and nephews, I can say fully, um, and my daughter, obviously, it's community love. Like my my daughter knows it. You know, there's so many things that she can come to me. She can come to me with everything, but sometimes she's like, "Oh, I didn't want to say this to you." So she'll call my younger sister. She'll call my two older sisters, and I love that because she knows at the end of the day. She's talking to people who fully love her and we've all given her love. The same for all my nieces and nephews. I've said this before. I have such unique relationships with every single one of them. I want to tell you I'm their favorites, but my sisters all listen and they'd probably die if I said that. But I'm literally everyone's favorite aunt. This is not a debate. It's not even up for discussion. But anyway, but um, what was I saying? Oh, so yeah. So it's like, it's important that we understand that sometimes love is community. It's not always mom and dad. So if you are a young mom or young dad and you're listening to this, not young in age, but like you have young kids, should I say there, it might be a godmother, godfather. I think that's why godmother, godparents were so important too. Cause they're another step. I remember when I was, um, we were baptizing my nephew, Ben, um, my, my brother in loves, um, his, mom's pastor was the one who did it. And he, you know, there was a pre-meeting and in the meeting he asked, he said, well, you know, will you teach him and this and that? And I remember listening and I was like, I took it so seriously. I told my sister, like, I don't, I don't go to church every week. Like, and she was like, Cassie, it's okay. And I was like, oh, I'm so nervous. But 
I learned how I needed to take that seriously later on in life. Like now, my as my nephew's nine, I know I'm his favorite aunt. I'm his godmother. I'm, I know I'm his favorite. But he and I have such a unique and loving relationship. And, you know, when they travel, they always know they can call on me. My sister and her husband are such great parents. They are whole individuals. They are loving parents. They don't hit their kids. They don't even yell at their kids. It's always consequences for your actions type. And that is so important because it sets boundaries, but it teaches them so much. So I think it's important that we understand it's also love is community when it comes to kids. It's very important that we we keep that in mind and we remember that because we can change the world, but children are the future, right? And we can maybe one day have a really loving world if we have really loving kids. So I think that's important. Um, a quote, I, a, an expert that I read from um, the All About Love book by Bell Hooks was, and this is how I'm ending this, but not ending it, but I'm going to move on. Love is as love does, and it is our responsibility to give children love. That's it. It is our responsibility, all of us. It doesn't matter if it's your kids, if it's your cousin's kids, if it's your neighbor's kids, if it's a kid on the street. Children just need love. This is how we shape them, and this is how we grow them, and this is how they become fully functioning adults. Love is as love does, and it is our responsibility to give children love. I love that. Um, Real quick, and then I'm done because I'm, I'm probably just kept talking, talking. I really took a break. Um, I was on Instagram. And, you know, if you're paying attention, Nia Long's husband had recently cheated on her, whatever, whatever. And, you know, when it first happened, she went quiet. She was taking her time and people are on there. You know, there's memes and jokes and I get it because this is what we do, Black folk. Like, you know, we find the the humor and everything and that's understandable. And we should always laugh, but always be mindful not to laugh at another person's expense. But then she was recently out promoting... I think she has, um, they have the, some, she has a few things coming out, but I think this was like best man or something. And I saw on Instagram that now mind you, she hadn't said anything publicly. She's just posted whatever she posted and she left it at that. But then I saw a young black lady interview her and say, Oh, say something about it and bring it up. And my heart just stopped. And I was like, oh, why would she ask her that friends? We have to remember something. What we consume and what we want to consume is what's popular, right? If we do not give light to those things, they cannot be amplified. They cannot. So like Shade Room and these places, Hollywood Unlock or whomever posting these things is a negative to a person. She is a black woman that has gone through something so publicly that was so private. It's such a private matter. It's nobody's business what her husband did or her boyfriend, whoever he was. And it's nobody's business. It's, it, none of it was anybody's business. So shame on the Boston Celtics. Was it the Celtics? Child, whoever. And shame on her husband, obviously. But that was none of our business. And then when she does step out and she's ready to, to move on and, you know, promote her movies and this, to stop and be asked by another Black woman, oh, well, you know, to talk. So it really crushed my soul. You have to stop and think about why we want to see this. Do you want your business aired on, you know, the front page of page six or the daily news? No. So why would you ask her that? My heart broke for her, but my heart breaks for everybody who's consuming that, sharing it, reposting it. You guys, social media will literally be the demise of of culture, humanity, if you allow it. Private matters are private. They should remain private at all times. 
that's really that's really my whole take on that. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for following. If you're following along on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I think that's it. Love you, ma.